Hey guys, welcome back to a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. Thanks for coming back for episode 20. My God, I've been at this for 20 weeks and I have met some amazing people. It's kind of a landmark for me. 20 times I've done this. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. I wanted to give you guys a little feedback. Uh, If you listened to episode 19 last week, I had my first week of work and I spent the week in New York City and I posted some pictures on Instagram. Really cool week, man. Really cool week. Uh, I I posted a picture about, um, I put, uh, never had a dime, but I always had a vision, which is the the Panic at the Disco, High Hopes lyric. Um, it's amazing how my life is working out. Things are coming together. Things are progressing. And uh, thank you so much for your feedback last week. Um, also about my reconnection with my family. Um, it's really been amazing. My sister and I have been talking every day, all day, um, kicking ideas back and forth. And and like I mentioned last week on the podcast, I've extended the offer for her to come on this podcast for us to talk. So that episode may be coming soon. If she's listening to this, uh, I hope you do come on. And uh, I don't want to publicize our lives, but um, I think a lot of people can gain a lot from a conversation that I would have with my sister. Um, That being said, I have an awesome guest for you guys this week. One of the funniest people on all of Instagram, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Um, But you know what I'm going to do. Please follow me on Instagram and TikTok. My handle is dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. Um, Also, please follow and subscribe to the podcast so you get new episodes. And if you're on Spotify, give it a five-star rating. If you're on Apple Podcast, please give it a five-star rating and leave a review. Um, I'd like to get some more reviews in here because it helps the algorithm. And then when the reviews come in... um, I want to get Dimming the Gaslight at the top of the list when it comes to narcissistic uh, abuse podcasts. Um, So, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and um, get ready for a really funny episode with this next guest. Check it out. All right, everybody. So welcome to another episode. Um, I'm really excited for this episode. So um, I started talking to this guy on Instagram and his name is Bo. His tag is Narcissistic Abuse by Kells, K-E-L-S. So you can follow him on Instagram. And this guy, I don't know whether he messaged me first or I messaged him, but the things that this guy posts on Instagram pops me and makes me laugh so funny every time I see this guy post something on Instagram and I'm always, always laughing. So, um, you know, we got to talking through like direct messenger and I apologize in advance for anybody listening to this because you're going to listen to just a bunch of bros going back and forth laughing at each other because, you know, we relate to this, this narcissistic abuse, but for some reason, the way me and Bo communicate is just so funny and I find it funny. So that's why I wanted to have him on the show. So Bo, say hello to everybody in podcast world. Hello there, podcast world. (laughs) Uh, And a lot of pressure on you to be funny today, Bo. I can't help it. (laughs) all right you know he just makes me laugh anyway so um yeah so like I said Bo and I have gotten to talking he's got a really really crazy story as we all do when it comes to narcissistic abuse um so I wanted to bring him on here I love having another male's perspective and uh you know I wanted to get to his story so Bo it's your show where do you want to start I just wanted to start by saying I love Anchor FM it's such (laughs) a fantastic way to make a podcast and everybody should download it and totally support that. It's totally free. So, <laughs> <laughs> listen, the, the kickback I get, I better get it like immediately. If everybody, you know, use the Dimmy the Gaslights uh, uh, referral code or something, I got to come up with that. But yeah, definitely download the Anchor app. You're absolutely right. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh so, man. And another thing, another thing that's really funny, everybody, is that Bo, um, when he got, he, you know, he messaged me and he goes, listen, I really like your podcast. Bo, do you want to tell the story? I don't know what story you're telling. You go uh, ahead. No, the, the Dr. Phil thing. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Bo messaged me and he said, listen, I really like your podcast. He said, but the only thing is he goes, you're very tame or like, you're very subdued. And he goes, you you remind me very much of Dr. Phil. So every time he messages me on a uh, direct messenger, he always calls me Dr. Phil. And uh, I always call him Jerry Springer because he's much more, I don't know, crude. Is that what you call it, bro? I, I'm a little out there. I don't know. <laughs> more raw. Don't be so uncomfortable just because you're on a podcast, bro. More raw, I would say. Raw. Okay. All right, man. So um, tell us a little bit about your story. I'm excited for everybody to hear uh, you know, what you got to say. All right. So I guess I, um, I met Kels through her fiance. Mm. And she's absolutely like the sweetest girl that I've ever met in my life. She's just adorable, just a really kind, nice person, like just super outgoing, friendly. Like, I mean, now that I look back on it, it was like way over the top and it was like part of the love bombing stage. But I, when I met her, you know, she was just super, super kind and nice and sweet and like this hippie type of chick. I'm kind of a hippie. So she was kind of hippie and she was engaged when I met her. And she had a one month old baby. Oh boy. Or like 28 days or something like a soup, like a tiny little baby, you know? Mm -hmm. And she was being victimized by everyone in her life. You know, her parents were controlling her. Her fiance was, her fiance was physically abusive to her. And she is a victim of domestic violence. And her fiance is also extremely narcissistic so i when i found out that she was a narcissist it like absolutely shocked me more than anything like fucking just blew my mind because i i absolutely like i really really knew her fiance was narcissistic Mm -hmm. but due to her behaviors and whatnot when i was like googling her behavior and like trying to figure out what the fuck was going on i figured out that she actually was and that was like the you know, like unzipping the uh, something to another realm, you know, like straight like Looney Tunes. Dun, 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 you know, like, <laughs> so you think her ex and her were both narcissists? Absolutely. Her, wow. Imagine two competing narcissists living together. Yeah. And he is more like I have researched for like the past three years. We you know, started dating in 2019 and we only dated for nine months. So what happened? They broke it off because he was abusive and he was crazy. And what happened? Did she cheat on him with you? Uh, well, I only know what she told me. Mm-hmm. But she, when I met her, she like was straight up, you know, like a, a battered woman who really needed help. She needed some support. She was being controlled. She had no cell phone. She was forced to live in the basement of her home and watch like Lifetime movies all day. And she really... Like that's like something with like a, a covert or a vulnerable narcissist is they don't really have, they're not able to get supply. You know, there's total people pleasers. They live in extreme anxiety and she was straight up. Like she really, really just needed some help. And I would fucking help anyone if I could, mm-hmm. but especially like this totally hot chick who's like a total <laughs> sweetheart, you know, mm-hmm. like I, you know, not like her looks heads. Yeah, it had something to do with it, but it's you know it had like so I, much to do with it. Don't you lie to me? <laughs> She's so pretty. She's such a gorgeous person. Just the sweetest girl I've ever met, too. You know, just like extremely kind, extremely uh, 
caring, extremely giving, like so much different than what you would expect mm-hmm. from a narcissist and so much different from like the, like on your show, the people you've talked with the narcissist that you've talked about. It's like, she absolutely, she's a, a registered nurse. She works at a, a drug and alcohol rehabilitation place. So she's okay. like, I don't know what it's called. Like a, like a care nurse for people. Like she really listens to people and like, she absolutely is helping a lot of people get through shitty times where they're struggling with addiction, but behind closed doors, like, you know, she was absolutely super, super bad with substance abuse. She was super, super emotionally abusive. The most manipulative person I've ever met in my life. Like I've never, I don't even understand. So perhaps she was like a drug counselor for lack of a better term, because she had her own addiction issues and she was internalizing whatever she was doing when she was working with other people. Maybe she was doing that for herself because she felt guilty about her own substance abuse. I really... I, I don't know. And I have like a skewed view on it because like I myself have struggled with substance abuse and I've struggled with so many things, but it was, it was stuff that we could relate to, you know, and it was stuff that like her and I could talk about. And I'd never really been able to like express that to someone I was in a relationship with before, but we, we started off this relationship and she was still living with her fiance. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely like, physically abusing her she would like show up at my house covered in bruises like oh my god he he was really really bad put her in the hospital a bunch of times like and just constantly cheating on her Mm -hmm. i don't know it's it's so weird like with a covert narcissist because they can't get their supply and they're so it took me so long to figure it out but when i did i mean i still have like i'm still like trauma bonded to this chick like i still think she's a total sweetheart but I know like the how abusive she was was just absolutely crazy. Like in the beginning, like the love bombing stage, she would uh like mirror me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was mirror like, you how like we had the same goals, the same interests. And it was to the point where she was like, one day I showed up at her house and uh this was after her and her fiance and she got her own place, she left him. But I showed up to her house and she was like listening to bluegrass music. And I listened to like old time traditional bluegrass music, which is not that popular of a genre. Right. I'd like to think it is, but like, it's not, you know, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but you're from Wisconsin if, for the listener who's listening out there, both from Wisconsin. And I think, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a, Bo calls me like a New York city city slicker, even though I'm not from New York, but um, yeah, no, bluegrass is not a popular genre of music. Bo. Well, I'm not from like Appalachia, Tennessee or something, <laughs> you know, like it's not very northern i don't know what type of music comes out of us but anyway so i'm really into bluegrass and i show up and she's listening to like old-time traditional bluegrass music which for someone who doesn't like bluegrass as much as i do it's kind of hard to listen it's like real twangy you know there's a banjo and a fiddle like it's it's but anyway so i show up and she's listening to bluegrass music and i was like what's up you know, like mm-hmm. you're obviously just making this person into someone that I would be attracted to. Right. And I, I told her, I was like, you're too good to be true. Oh, I've said that. I've said that. Is it? Is it and, now, like- and now when you think about it, you go back and you look back and you go, fuck, it was too good to be true. It was literally too good to be true. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, and since we broke up in 2019 mm-hmm. and we've kept in contact 
I've gone nine months and I've gone seven months, no contact with her at separate times. But like just seeing what I see about her, it's like she has she has no personality. She mirrors whoever she's around and she's going to people please whoever she can people please. Totally. Yeah, I can relate to that. Like, you know, um, I remember I was thinking the other day, like my ex, um, I'm a huge uh, New York Giants football fan. And uh, so I can remember early on, like her having like wing parties where like she would get a whole bunch of, uh, you know, Buffalo wings and stuff like that and have like football parties. And like, this is when she was trying to like woo me. But then like, she never, like I was with the girl for nine years and she never did it again. She never like, you know, never watched a football game with me. Like, and I was, you know, I'd watch every single game all the time. And like, in the beginning it was like, oh, well let's have this football party. And then we start dating and she never cared again. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what it, it was like. I don't know. I saw it with her new supplies where like all of a sudden she's like a huge basketball fan. Mm-hmm. She loves the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. And like, but like I dated you for nine months, whatever. I know you, I know who you are. Like you don't love basketball. You, yeah. know? you can't even spell basketball. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is absolutely just super, super strange. How about the, um, so she definitely mirrored you, but is that part of the love bombing or was there like gift giving or um, well, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of sex, but I don't know. Talk about the love bombing phase a little bit. <clears throat> the love bombing or the idealization phase i have a, a list of that i made like a year ago just so i would because i have a really hard time remembering it because it's so traumatic for me mm-hmm. and because i use i'm nine months sober but i used drugs and alcohol as like a serious coping mechanism my entire life you know mm. and i use humor as a coping mechanism i really tried i don't know I'm, I'm i'm working on it i went to my therapist today i got a new therapist it went super well by the way Good. Congratulations. Yeah. Bo and I were talking about that offline. He had to change therapists and, uh, you know, he's a little nervous about it. So I was trying to tell him, no, it's going to be all right. He'll find another one. So good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. It went super, super well, but I made this list like a year ago. And then before we got on the call, I was like, Oh God, I need to, I need to find it, you know, because it's, it's the idealization phase or love bombing phase was crazy. Dude, I call it compartmentalizing because what I do is, like you said, it's I almost don't even remember it because it was so traumatic that like as a coping mechanism, I've tried blocking it out so that I don't remember it long term. And like every now and then, like I'll just like these little instances of like really shitty things that she did will just come like floating into my mind and I'll go, oh, my God, like I just told that wings story. And I mean, like, it's honestly not that big of a deal, but it's just another part of the puzzle that fits together. And you're like, yeah, she never even did that. You know what I mean? Oh, it's such a big deal. It's like, that's, it's again, you compartmentalize, but like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, yes, it is. The chick had a wing party for the Giants when she doesn't care at all, you know? Like, yeah. my, my pretended like bluegrass, you know? Like, that's not, that's not right. sane. That's right. absolute pure textbook manipulation. Yeah. So, Good word. Go ahead. <laughs> so I'll, I'll like read off some of these points and you stop me when you all right, find sure. interest. So she told me she loved me within a couple days of us first hooking up, then reinforced that story by texting me and telling me in person multiple times every day that she loved me. Mm-hmm. Like it was day two when she said she loved me. That's a huge red flag. Oh, yeah. All of these are. So she told me that I was saving her from an abusive relationship and painted me as her hero. Dude. Yeah. So, all right. I'll stop you right there. So um, <laughs> like one of my early episodes, I don't know what story it was, but 
I talked about how my ex sold me this bag of bullshit about how she um, was super abused by her ex-boyfriend. And in the middle of the night when we were sleeping, she used to pop up like, you know, like, like, um, like the crypt keeper would pop up in bed, like rigor mortis style. And then would be like scared to death. Like would be having these dreams that she was getting like abused by her boyfriend and I would hug her and I would kiss her and I'd be like, no, you're okay. And you're safe with me. And now like, you know, almost 10 years later, I can turn it around and go, oh, now I'm playing that part. And I didn't do anything to you. Like, what the fuck? So, yeah, no, I can relate. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, when we first got together, because she was still sleeping with and telling me that she never talked to him, whatever, and sleeping with me and telling us both completely different stories, which I didn't know was happening until months and months and months when I, like, because I met her parents and her parents were, like, she comes from, like, this, like, church-going uh, small business owning family they own like mm-hmm. a business on main street small town wisconsin just like it from the outside looking in it's like this perfect family but there's like no love there you know wow and it's super controlling and they hide you know they're like oh yeah like the bible whatever but like her mom her mom is an absolute complete narcissist you, mm. you can tell by like looking at a picture of her because her eyes just look fucking crazy you know they have like that. I, I always like when I read on Instagram about the reptilian eyes. Like it's creepy. It's yeah, creepy. Like I, asked, like I asked you when we first met, I was like, I was like, does your narcissist have thick eyebrows? <laughs> Remember that? And I was like, I was like, oh, I didn't read about that narcissistic quality on Wikipedia when I was checking up on it about the eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, well, in my experience, all of them have thick eyebrows. I'm like, all right, bro. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's like a real thing. Like I, I went a little crazy. The gaslighting got intense but anyways (laughs) so her family i mean i don't have any experience luckily um they have no religion whatsoever um but i hear a lot of stories with the stories that i hear from people and the people that i talk to is um like these religious narcissists um i'd like to do an episode about that but like um it's weird it's creepy um they can justify their behavior um you know, especially they can justify, you know, saying, oh, well, God told me to do it or, you know, abuse because, um, you know, you're not following the quote unquote way or, you know, whatever they feel that you should be doing. It's creepy, man. The, the religious narcissist is uh, something, you know, if somebody's got some experience with that, reach out to me because I'd like to do an episode about that. Absolutely. It's wild. And like Kels went to like a religious school, like whatever, like a Christian academy or something. Mm hmm her whole childhood up until like her sophomore year and she doesn't believe in god and she realized that her parents are and like i'm not trying to say god's real god's not but whatever she doesn't believe in god and like i'm also sort of atheist i'm a non-practicing buddhist but so she realized that like she was you know like a way like more aware or more intelligent than her parents and it caused her to like seriously rebel. I, don't, I have no idea what happened to her in her childhood that made her this way. But like she was in a Christian school until she was like 16. And then she went to public school. And it, it's absolutely like they're hiding behind a religion or something. And like when I when I first met Kels, like the first weekend, whatever, we hooked up. And then she had to go to her brother's like fiance's party or some sort of, you know, her nephew, whatever. She had to like go do something with family. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, like you get to get away from your abusive relationship that you're in and trying to get out of. 
and be around family. And she was like, no, I have to pretend to be this different person around my family. And I was like, that like red flag, but I didn't notice. I was like, what? You never have to pretend to be someone different ever, you know? Especially around your family. It sounds like it's about, it sounds like maybe like um, you know, they were following their blind faith. She was a think for herselfer. And then it sounds like because she didn't live up to their standards or whatever, she you know, develop this coping mechanism of being a narcissist to protect herself from like maybe her inferiority complex or something. Yeah, you're close, but actually they're all just a bunch of pieces of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Fair, fair. Yeah, just a horrible goddamn family in the middle of rural Wisconsin. But anyway, I don't know where where we're at here. Ground me. Well, you were saying, um, you know, you were just talking about her... You were talking about her family and and her growing up and you were reading that list before, but she only did like two or three things. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess you want to hop back into the list. It goes on forever. (laughs) Okay. The idealization. She, so she already had two kids. She had um, one month old and within weeks of meeting her, she said she wanted to have another child with me. Um, Within weeks? Yeah. Right. Gross. That's manipulative. like, Like you where it's like, you know, like we're the same age, you mm-hmm. know, old. <laughs> and like, I, I don't have kids. I've never been married. Mm-hmm. So I was like, how you word it? How do you word it? You say your, uh, your clock is ticking or something? Yeah, my biological clock is ticking because I just felt like, you know, I was getting a little bit older. Um, I was thinking like, you know, women's quote unquote biological clock ticks a little bit faster than men. So I felt like she thought that she was, her window was closing. And I felt like, well, I always wanted a family. And, and if she feels like her window is closing, then my window is closing and I don't want to lose her. So I felt like I had no choice and I just had to push through, even though I didn't want to. Yeah. So same, like I've always like, before this, I've always like wanted a family, you know, wanted like a wife and kids. And it was like, just perfect meeting this girl with two kids who's really sweet and nice and not like having sex with her other multiple partners the whole time but it was kind of the same thing so she she wanted me to get her pregnant right away and then another weeks you said absolutely like she told me she loved me after two days it was like this was a it was only a nine-month relationship and we went through all the phases you know like it got dark quick once she saw that i was like uh sympathetic and empathetic to her situation she played on it you know like i caught her cheating after like you know like three weeks and everything i've always i've always i've been in relationships before where i've been cheated on and like that is the that's where i draw the line you know <laughs> like, yeah you gotta, you gotta have some standards here like that's not okay to do to people yeah but because i i felt so bad for her. i felt like i was saving her from you know i was like her hero you know i was saving her from this abusive relationship and i was in a dark place myself where i thought like you know what if it kills me to save you like let's do it like you really need help you're such a good person you're such a oh my god the, the blinders were fully on man Oh my God. So she told me she wanted to marry me like right away from the gate. She made me build a relationship with her kids. And I never hung out with kids before really. And like, since I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, like I have some friends who have children, but I'm kind of like a more of like a rowdy person. They're never like, Hey, Bo, can you babysit for the weekend? You know, like that just doesn't come up in my life. Mm-hmm. Bonded with her children. And then she, she was, she was so drunk. Like she was absolutely like, I didn't know 
how drunk she was because like i drank but not like that you know mm-hmm. like i would keep like a 175 of jameson at my house just for pleasure you know <laughs> or like okay. whatever like, and like it would be gone like every day and did you ever was, call her out on it absolutely like we <laughs> this is embarrassing but like we were having sex one night and she fell asleep during sex that is embarrassing because she was <laughs> because she was drunk <laughs> Fuck you, Dr. Phil. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying it's a reflection on you. It's a reflection on her, but because she passed out? Yes, because she was drunk. Jesus. And I was... Well, I got to tell you, that's not a good thing. (laughs) That was my best impression I could do of Dr. Phil. I was shocked. And then it happened again the next night. Like, that's unreal, you know? And I was just, I was just blinders, you know? But like, she would, you know, tell me that I was good looking. Tell me I was smart and funny and different tell me that she's never had uh sex like this before she's never met anyone like me before mm-hmm. she excessive attention calls and texts and social media messages all day all day and through that like another part of the love bomb is she was so understanding and supportive about my issues with addiction with anxiety do you know hold on one second you know what you just made me think of and see, this is what I've been talking about in other episodes that like, you're going to like things other people are going to say are going to jog my memory. And you just reminded me of something that I haven't talked about. Do you ever think, and I, I bet the listener is going to relate to this. I say I can relate to, you know, the all day texting, the all day calling, the sending me pictures, the I miss you's, the this, the that. But then when they get home, are they that same person or do they just completely ignore you? I'm asking uh, this isn't rhetorical. It, yeah, I don't. <laughs> when she got home, would she be that same person or would like, would it, would she take it down a notch? It, it, during the idealization phase, it was absolutely like 110% pedal to the metal love. Right. But then when that wears off, because mine would still like years into it would be texting me this shit. And then when she got home, I was just her time filler. I was just somebody for her to text or to call or, you know, just somebody for her to waste time on when she was on her breaks at work. But then when she got home, she wouldn't even talk to me, wouldn't even pay any attention to me. Yeah, I I can absolutely relate to that. Yeah, that's like that's once you get further on in the relationship, you know, and that's like more like breadcrumbing, whatever. Yes. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, to keep you interested, you know? Totally, totally. I can relate to that, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, okay. So yeah, she would be love bombing you and idealizing you and then building you up and telling you the best ever. And then next thing you know, it's like, she just starts ignoring you? Yeah, like slowly. It was when the devaluation started, it was like just calling me little names and teasing me, but not being nice. You know, like I will like tease the shit out of you, Dr. Phil. But like, I have like the absolute best intentions. And like, if I was ever hurting your feelings, I would legit feel bad about it. And we would talk about it because we have a healthy, normal relationship. Right. As far as like two dudes meeting off at Instagram. And and if not, you can catch me outside. Oh, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, give me an example about how she would devalue you or kind of pick and prod at you. So we went to, I, I wanted to introduce her to my parents and my parents are divorced you know my dad is like he's more like me i'd say more rowdy but my mom is just a saint you know like my mom is greatest person i'm such like a mama's boy definition like she cooks dinner every night she like loves to like vacuum and like clean and she's just like a you know she's european she's not american so she's just a really really not to say anything bad about america or europe whatever she's just an amazing person i love my mom so much we went to go meet my mom and 
when we were on the way, Kelsey ate two hits of acid, which is co- which is cool, you know. If you can like like I I have <laughs> I say it, Jerry Springer. Like, she had so two hits I, of acid, which is cool. I'll the rest yeah, of the story. Yeah, that's fine. Like I can I can eat two hits of acid too before I go meet your mom. Whatever. But like I thought it was weird. And she like when she would because we did a ton of acid together but like when she would do it she would get kind of mean like her real self would come out and then we met my mom and kelsey was like clearly fucked up and like i was trying to like like cover for her or whatever you know but she said something that was oh but was just a fucking dipshit like just like as a joke whatever mm-hmm. and i just checked her on it and i was like do not say that in my house about my family you know do not like, say that about my baby boy, Bo. Well, no, like, let's keep it real. Like, why would you say something that's hurtful to someone yeah. that you care about to their mother? You know, like she she wasn't like, what are you on? Right. <laughs> you <know>? right. <laughs> but it was like, that was like, oh, something that I'll always remember. And I had messaged my mother too. And I've been like, hey, you know, I'm in this relationship and I've never felt so much anxiety before. I've never felt so off being around someone because Kelsey was always like anxious you know she was really unable to get her supplies she was being abused and controlled in all of her relationships and that's just that was when it started the devaluation that's when I caught it you know okay and then she would say to me you're not okay she would tell you you're not okay yeah you're not okay and she would tell me every single day like a bunch of times in person and then a bunch of times like I posted on my Instagram of, of fa- from Facebook, I searched it. You are not okay. Messages, and she had sent it to me like 189 times in four months or something. Oh my god! Just absolute the definition of gaslighting. The you know? definition of gaslighting. Yeah. Wow. To where it couldn't be more blatant. You know, like there's all the memes and whatnot about gaslighting, but this was it. You know, and I never picked up on it until. Two years after the fact. Like, My listen, jaw has dropped right now. 189 times, you said, in four months? Yeah, I posted it. It wow. was like 187 maybe, but like definitely an obscene amount of telling someone that they're crazy. You know? and, then and, not was- only, and then not only that, but you sit there and like after 187, 189 times, whatever, you're going to sit there and go, at least a couple of those, you're going to be like, well, am I? Oh, 100%. But that, that was just Facebook Messenger. We communicated through text, in person, and through like Instagram Messenger. You know, she would be like messaging me on like, and Snapchat, we should be like messaging me on like every social media platform in the love bombing phase. You know, I'd have like 20 messages waiting all the time. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, she was so, so good at like being attentive. And it wasn't, I realized like I was telling her so much about myself while she told me nothing about herself. And then it was all just ammunition for her later. You know? Oh yeah. Yep. I can completely relate. <sighs> because she was like a drug and alcohol counselor and because I was using at the time and like drinking and whatnot, even though she was, she would make me feel like ashamed about it, even though she was doing it, you know? And she would say to me like, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm a good person. You're not like, I'm a better person. Than you. Like one time when we first met, she was like, oh, just like shaking and like scared about whatever, you know, I don't know if it was an act or if it was real, but she was like, just tell me I'm a good person. Just tell me I'm a good person. And like, that's just something that sticks out to me. Like who the fuck needs that sort of like affirmation, you know, like, yeah, it was super, super weird because she knows that she's not. She knows there's that voice inside her head that's telling her that she's not. So if there's the external voice from you, who she's using, 
we'll tell her she's a good person. At least that'll pacify her for a little while, but no, nah, she's still probably a pretty shit person and she knows it. And at least like she has, at least she's capable of feeling guilt at least. I dude, I think that was all part of the manipulation too. I don't think she can. Like it's, it's so twisted with her. Like right now she's like, I think she's out of the psych ward, but like she's in and out of psych wards, you know, like she's oh, wow. absolutely like a super, super head case. She's so good. Like uh, the most skilled therapist out there couldn't pick it up, you know, oh, but like she had, she's been diagnosed with like PTSD, anxiety, and depression, but that's all like the part of the, you know, like how they tell parts of a story or they leave out, Mm -hmm. you know, so like, yes, she is a victim of domestic violence. She probably does have PTSD and anxiety and depression, but she's leaving out like, oh, I emotionally abuse everyone in my life. Right. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is too, like, um, when I had like my marriage counselors and stuff, you, like you said, even the skilled, most skilled therapist can't see this. Like when I was doing my marriage counseling, I remember saying to the guy, like, she's gaslighting me. She's gaslighting me. She's gaslighting me. And then, um, the guy never made the connection. And it's like, how do you not, especially with like narcissism being such a buzzword these days, like, how did you not make that connection? Yeah. It's just, I still have a hard time and it probably the trauma bond, whatever, but I still have a hard time like hating her or feeling bad for her because I realized that like, she is a victim of definitely domestic violence and emotional abuse from her fiance. But also like as a child growing up, she was super, super like abused by her mother and father in emotionally, you know, like in a way where like, she's not like a kid, like a little baby doesn't know how to like your frontal lobe doesn't develop until your twenties, you know, like a little baby doesn't know how to interpret rage. Mm -hmm. And like her parents like rage, you know, like they, and it's interesting. It's interesting that you can have that sort of sympathy for her because the majority of people I talk to, like, it's, it's cool that you can see her as a sick person. Um, and I think most of us can see our nexes as sick people, but because the sickness was directed towards us, my ability to have any empathy for them is very limited. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something where like, you've said it before on your podcast and like, you're like, I'm not there yet guys, you know? And like, I, <laughs> absolutely am like through good for you man maybe one day i will i wish her (laughs) nothing but the worst (laughs) you will (laughs) would you put that evil on me ricky bobby it's a downward spiral but there's like there's (laughs) chunks of goodness that come out of it but like i don't know i mean i realize through I, i i try to like see the good in the situation like through knowing her and learning about this emotional abuse, I have been able, you know, like the glass is half full. I've been able to pick out other toxic people in my life. Like when she, after she had discarded me and. Tell us, tell us about that. So tell us about the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. I always like those stories. Oh, it's a, there's a bunch of discards, but it was, I mean, she was constantly like with her ex and going back to her abusive ex, you know? And it would just be like, we are in love. We are talking every day. Um, granted, this is more like devaluation. She's being pretty mean to me, but I'm still like hoping for any sort of affection or, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty pathetic at this point. She's pretty abusive, but yeah. then it would just be like flipping a light switch with mm-hmm. no explanation of anything, no breakup, just she's gone, you know, for like 30 days. Wow. To be with him, to be with her ex. Yeah. Or with. Oh, like a ton of other dudes. <laughs> like, a ton of other but, dudes? Yeah, so many. She would cheat so much. And like she would be sleeping with like a guy named, and she knew that like 
God, this is so messed up. But like, she would like be sleeping with a guy named. She knew that I was like hip to what she was doing. Mm-hmm. And it was at this point, this is like I don't know. I'm well over the the gaslighting bridge. I've like lost my shit, and I think it's like you know she's always looking through my phone, and I'm looking through her phone. You know, and it's like super toxic. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the fact that I'm gonna like, and when I look through her phone, I find the most fucking crazy shit you've ever seen in your life but i see that she's like messaging like if she would like sleep with someone named and she would like message like four people named so i would like get confused you know oh wow it was crazy it was like i know he's gonna catch me cheating so i'm gonna talk to like seven dudes named you know wow. Holy yeah shit. and it was i don't know it was super messed up super hard hard to compartmentalize like nowadays but like the discard phase was absolutely just like a light switch, you know, all of a sudden nothing and no explanation and me just like wondering what the fuck. And then like the smear campaign was like, she didn't give you a reason for what? For the discard. Absolutely not. No. The reason was that we were never in a relationship. That's what like the smear campaign was like. I was just her friend mm-hmm. who assumed it was more of a relationship than it was. And we were actually never in a relationship. I was just a friend who got like obsessed with her. Oh my God. And it's like, like you, yeah, it's like, you know, she had at this point, she was like, she had stolen like multiple phones of mine, like has my Apple ID logged into all my social medias. Like I've lost completely my sense of self, who I am. And then she wants to be like, oh yeah, actually like that wasn't a relationship. Like looking back, it's like, Fuck no, it wasn't. <laughs> like a- well, you know what though? Like she probably actually believes that in her head. She probably because you know they don't attach like we attach as empaths because they don't have that you know that part of them that attaches. Um, so for her, she actually can say that and probably believe it. And I and I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings, but she probably believes no, it. Absolutely, she believes a hundred percent that I am in the wrong. That I. You know, like that. And that's part of like the vulnerable narcissist where they because like a malignant narcissist or other subforms have the ability to. I love how you call them subforms like there's some sort of alien or something. Dude, they fucking are. <laughs> <laughs> like, but uh, other types of narcissists can. I mean, like no narcissist can truly self-reflect, but like they can be self-aware. Sam Bachman, that narcissist that I'm always telling you about that I love. Yeah, yeah. Did, my favorite narcissist like he he's absolutely self-aware and for a covert narcissist they they cannot connect the dots to where like she doesn't feel like she literally feels like she has been victimized by me whereas like i lost my house multiple vehicles all my money my sanity my trust like my self-esteem i lost everything and she just sailed out of it and then like after the discard you know she was in a relationship the same day it wasn't like it wasn't like any sort of like mourning or her like googling my behaviors it was like yeah mine mine is the same way i mean um yeah. by the time the restraining order got lifted we were already five weeks deep and then by the time i got to see my kids it was like six weeks and then by the time i showed up at the house she had already had a new boyfriend six weeks into it so i mean that was just when i started coming back around after the restraining order but i would assume it probably happened before that and uh, I hate to think about it. I try not to, but you know, they say that there's always an overlap. So I would assume that, you know, that probably started when she realized that she was losing me as the best supply she ever had. She knew that that could, had to be short lived and, you know, she 
went on the hunt right away. Yeah, I used to go on Quora all the time, that Quora app. I don't know if you heard of it, but you can like, it's not like Google where you ask a question that gives you like documents. It's like you ask a question and real people can answer. Uh-huh. Have you been on there? No. Dude, it's crazy. It's, there's so much information about narcissists on there. Hmm. And okay, I'll check it out. Like, hell yeah, check it out. It's a good app. Q-U-A-R-A. Okay. I'm not affiliated or anything. I mean, well, like maybe Anchor, you'll get me a sponsorship. <laughs> Anchor FM is another fantastic app, <laughs> but Quora is amazing. If you want to just ask questions and have real people answer you, and there's like a ton of victims. Yeah, what's the credibility of these people? Eh, it's kind of a crapshoot. <laughs> say, is it like a glorified Wikipedia? Uh, yeah, anyone can answer the questions, but they get updated and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like if. Like, I would ask the question, hey, if my narcissistic girlfriend is talking to 10 other guys, how many is she sleeping with? And, like, the number one response was all of them. (laughs) You know, like, I feel like that's such a cynical view. And, like, you know, my covert narcissist, you know, she wanted to play this part that she was like the elegant, upstanding, not sleeping around slut. And I mean, from what I see, you know, all these flowers that are getting delivered to the house and the guys that are at the house and what the kids tell me, you know, they, they know three to four different guys that she's with. I mean, I'll call her bluff. Yeah. See, that's not very covert because like, because she has like self-esteem, like the covert narcissist is so the vulnerable narcissist they have such low self-esteem they have you know like no control of their lives they're extremely anxious all the time they don't have self-confidence yeah mine is they, what's that she's she's got issues with self-confidence for sure and like you know like i can remember in, a, in like a moment of weakness her telling me something along the lines of like her parents are old and her brother doesn't really talk to her and her sister-in-law hates her and um you know she has a sister who actually has issues and she said something along the lines of like um I'm all she has left and she doesn't want to lose me. And I remember her telling me this and like, this was like a moment of her weakness, but I was like in my head, or I might've actually even said it to him, like, then why don't you treat me better? Like, why don't you treat me like I'm all you have? Like you treat me like I'm just disposable. So yeah, she does. She does have self-esteem issues for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's how they, that's how like a person who's diagnosed narcissistic personality disorder, that's how they view, they don't view us as humans. They don't view their children as humans we're all just objects for them to give them pleasure you know yeah we're just a commodity yeah that's uh, super sick <laughs> really sick man but man like i tell these stories and and you know it's cool because you know this episode that i've done with you you're actually jogging my memory of certain things that i haven't thought about in a while and um i like it because it just validates what i already know like i mean listen i don't know how many episodes we are deep of this podcast but like if there's anybody listening to this is there any doubt in the world that my ex is a narcissist like come the fuck on (laughs) yeah and that's like that's why you know like as being like a random dude and you're so you're such a like do-gooder civilian and i'm more like cool and the fact that we can relate is because we've been through the same traumatic experience you know like you just fucking devalued me in a roundabout way because you said I'm cool and I'm just like, a, you're cool. And I'm a do-gooder. <laughs> you, you know, I'm just kidding. Your viewers know I'm just joking. <laughs> oh my God, Bob. Yeah, man. So um, so where does it stand now with her? So, so you said it was like a light switch and it just kind of flicked off and she devalued you and she's going around and running around with all these other guys. 
Um, where does it stand now or where does it, where did it stand after the devaluation period? Oh, the Hoover is strong with this one. Like she'll, Oh really? Absolutely. She'll never let me go out. So the last, like last Valentine, like we broke up November, 2019, but I, kept having sex with her because i'm a man because yeah no i get it yeah you know like i don't know why like (laughs) i guess i love the abuse i don't i don't get it like or the drama or what like i know what's best for me but i i and also because i fucking care about her Mm -hmm. so much i really really wish her the best in life and it's not like i'm gonna be able to help her i understand that she's absolutely mental and i'll never be able to like change her but you know like it's to be like a support system for her whatever i was part of her life i ended up going nine months no contact in the beginning and then we started and it's like the phase just starts over what about the hoovering though that, that's how it is okay hoover then love bomb then devaluation then discard and it's just it starts over and did you, ever, each- did you ever put your foot down on the hoover though how do you mean like did you ever not take that bait Absolutely. Yeah. I would for months and months and months, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I just made it seven months, no contact. And another thing is when she last February, we got together and she plugged my phone into her computer and got like access to everything. So she was like uh, on my Instagram on the narcissistic abuse by Kels. That was her. Oh, shit. Yeah. And it's all about her. it's fucking crazy it used to be way crazier i've like absolutely like milded down my instagram page but like so she was on that and so when she plugged it into her computer did she get all your passwords and everything yeah well she already had them she has two of my cell phones still oh my god so wait but you said before like she was like self-aware so like was she self-aware enough to know that she's a narcissist but she didn't know that you knew she was a narcissist See, I don't know. We had like, you know, you know, I'm not okay, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> we'd, have, we'd have these conversations, and like one time before I had figured it out, I was like, maybe you have borderline personality disorder. I was just discovering like cluster B and just learning about cluster bad personality disorder, <laughs> and I I thought the whole time that she was, uh, her fiance was a narcissist because he is, and he's more of like a malignant in your face narcissist, but I never suspected her you know and that's i brought it up to her and she was like yeah i've thought that too it's quite possible that i have bpd and then like we talked the next day and she was like i don't know what you're talking about we never had that conversation (laughs) (laughs) shocker Shocker. just like you know but wow the fact that she would even like sort of take any responsibility when you brought up bpd um, and the fact that she would even sort of even say, oh, well, maybe I do. And then, you know, flip flop later. But even that original sort of admittal to it is kind of odd. Uh, admittal is not a word. It's not. But, um... <laughs> Look at you, smarty pants. <laughs> but no. Okay. We, um, I went seven months or I went nine months. I went seven months, whatever. We have talked recently and she's in a psych ward, but she can use her phone like from whatever some periods of time during the day and she is absolutely apologetic which a vulnerable narcissist will apologize all the time you know they they view it as like mirroring or whatever these are some words i gotta say it's gonna chill people out 
and she will forever apologize. And she'll say, you know, my behavior wasn't okay. And I'm so sorry for the way I treated you and really, really take accountability for what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, but- let me ask you this. Why are you still fielding her phone calls? Why are you still taking her phone calls? Well, I'm not. I've, I've blocked her again. But it's the trauma bond, man. It's like, because I, she, she's so conniving. It's like, she made probably like 30 different Instagram accounts. And like, I will block and block and block and block and block. And then she'll send me like pictures of the kids. And, you know, it's like the, the way that she weasels back in is just super, super insane. Yeah. Well, she sounds like she wants to tug on your heartstrings. There was for the listener, there was, um, Bo messaged me, this was a couple of weeks ago or something. And he messaged me, I think if I'm telling the story correctly, you said somebody who follows me follows or somebody who follows you also follows me on Instagram. And you asked me, you're like, what do we, what do I know about this person? And, um, you were concerned that there was like a mole within your followers. And, uh, I was telling you that, you know, like somebody was either liking your, your stuff or I forget what that whole story was, but you figured out who the mole was and you got rid of her. Right. Yeah, that was, uh, because I couldn't post, um, cause everything I would post got reported as spam. Oh yeah. Wow. But I have, I have like, you know, like 900 people are following me now and there's probably so many moles and it's, I, in the beginning, I was way more paranoid. I was like, everyone who follows this page is Kels, you hmm. know, and like a bunch of them were, <laughs> but it's more like the J-D-K-A-C-L-L-A-C, you know, like that is like their name with zero posts and zero friends or whatever. Yeah, that's always a red flag for me. So, uh, you know, I've talked about it on this podcast. I'm super concerned of my ex finding the podcast, but through Anchor, um, I can look at my <laughs> analytics and I can see where people listen from. And I always check the town that my ex lives in and it has not popped up yet on my analytics for my page. So um, I'm a little, you know, I, I, I check it several times a day to see if the town where my ex lives comes up on my analytics and it doesn't. So I'm not that concerned. When I see it, though, I will be. And it's going to come one day. It's going to come one day. It's really awesome that Anchor FM gives you that technology. (laughs) (laughs) These bills don't pay themselves, son. (laughs) Well, Bo, listen, we're coming to the end of the hour. Um, I really thank you for for, uh, telling your story here. I mean, like I said, you're a funny guy, but you're also tugging on the heartstrings a little bit. Um, Is there anything that you want to leave the listener with? Any points of advice? Any last stories you want to tell? No, I have nothing. I, I really, I have like a skewed view on the whole thing. Like, and it's, it's, I guess just narcissism is a personality disorder and I've read a ton of books about it. And like someone who has low empathy or who doesn't have empathy, doesn't know how to read other people's emotions. They don't know that they're hurting you. And like, I had like this like crazy person (laughs) message me who was like, you're supporting, uh, you're not being supportive of of narcissists or I don't know. It was, I I messaged you about it too. It was like this really weird, uh, what a random page. page. Yeah. A a random page that was messaging me about it. And it's like, I don't want to bash Kel. So I don't want to bash narcissism. It's super fucked up. It's like the worst thing ever. But like these people are victims to 
kind of, you know, it's like, as long as, like, just, just be good to people, you know, like, don't be super shitty. <laughs> well, I mean, personally speaking, like I said, I, I'm a highly empathetic person. Um, I do see, you know, my ex and other narcissists that I've come across as sick people. Um, and I think sick people need help. Um, but because the sickness has so deeply affected me, I find that my empathy can't stretch that far. And maybe one day it will, maybe I'll have some sort of forgiveness personally speaking. You know, I, I think forgiveness is overrated and I'm going to get a whole lot of messages and emails from people who telling me that, you know, I need to learn how to forgive and I get it, but, um, maybe one day, but not today. I'm jealous. I wish I (laughs) <laughs> wish i could like be firmer on that you know oh i'm much like, more of a callous dick than you Bo. <laughs> okay dr phil don't try to act tough <laughs> all right well anyway Bo, thank you so much for being on the show um you had me laughing yeah you didn't have me crying but uh i really do relate to your story i think that you know when people come on the show and they talk about the things that they talk about, I hope you feel some sort of relief from getting it off your chest. And I hope, you know, the, the listener out there can, can relate to your story. Yeah, for sure, man. It's been really good. I really appreciate you having me on your show. I appreciate you doing this show. It's I've listened to every episode. We talk all the time. I, I'm very grateful for you. Yeah, man. I'm very grateful for you. And I'm very grateful for you listening. Um, and yeah, this has been, this has been a cool experience. So thank you very much to Bo, um, everybody out there. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And, uh, until next time, everybody.